I turned around and I went, Steve, in a really sort of friendly way. And he went, hi, <laughs> in a sort of confused way. And I could see behind his eyes, he's thinking, how does he know? How does he know? How does he know who I am? How does he know? And he came up with a reason. His brain reached for something and he went, you're a mate of Pete's. And I don't know who Pete is, um, but I went, I am, I am. And he went, how did you know I'm, I'm, I'm Steve? And I said, because you said you were going to punch my worst word in the English language face off uh, and that I deserve AIDS. This is City AM Unregulated. I'm Emma Hazlitt. This week, the truth about why people are just so rude. And this fella, Omar Hussein. Columnist and best-selling author Danny Wallace. He fled Britain to get over there, plot to bring down Western civilization. But it was Mars when he realised how rude ISIS are. It's showing a lack of respect for someone. And you don't know who that person is, but you're rude to them and you don't know what's going on in their life. You've disparaged them, you might feel a little bit better, but they are going to take that out on someone else because it spreads. Welcome to Unregulated, City AM's professional development podcast. We chat entrepreneurial stories, how to be better at your job and taking the next steps in your career. This week, I'm going to start with some slightly sad news. This is the last episode of Unregulated for a while. We're going to take a little break, but like every good rock band, we'll be back soon. So please stay subscribed, stay unregulated and enjoy our final episode of season one. This week we're sitting down with columnist and best-selling author Danny Wallace to talk about his new book, which is called I Can't Believe You Just Said That. It's an investigation into why people are so rude. For example, those who don't warn you that their podcast is taking a sudden break. Oops. It's a fun one to end on until we return, though. So let's talk to Danny. Tell us about the rude moment that inspired the book. I wanted a hot dog. And that seems to me to be quite a reasonable request. Um, Just a hot dog, a simple hot dog. We all have moments where a hot dog, you know, will fill the gap. It would be great. Absolutely. And I saw a diner and it sold hot dogs. So, you know, that seemed uh, fortuitous. And I went in with my little boy just to buy a hot dog, a hot dog and a half. And I was met with this incredible rudeness, like, like insane rudeness. You know, one of those moments where you don't understand what's happening. You're yeah. like, you're confused, you're bewildered. Baffled. You're baffled. Yeah. And you don't know if you've done something wrong or if they've done something wrong or you've offended them somehow. Um, and it went on and it went on. And I was doing everything I could to make it all right. I was kind of putting my hands up, you know, uh, in, almost in surrender yeah. and using um, the higher register of my voice to sort of show non-threatening behavior and just kind of going, it's fine, it's fine. I'm just, I just want to know how long it's going to be. And the more I tried to make it all right, the worse it became. And to cut a long story very short, I ended up ejected from the diner, thrown out in front of my son and about a dozen people without a hot dog. And I'm standing in the drizzle, hot dogless, thinking, <laughs> what's happened? What did I do? And where's my hot dog? And these things happen in our lives all the time. And, yeah. and we recount them to friends and we tell them about rude moments and they snap the table and they're like, you know, what did you do in, in response? Or did you say anything? But in that moment, I wasn't thinking about that. I was just thinking, how did this happen? And it became a slight obsession for a couple of days. It does become an obsession for us. Yeah, you roll it over and over in your head. Um, You really do. And it it affects you because someone's broken the rules. The rules of that uh, encounter were very simple. Um, uh, The reason she got up that morning was to sell hot dogs. Um, I had the money for a hot dog and I wanted one. 
And that's where it should have ended. Um, it's the most basic form of capitalism. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and yet that didn't happen. And I found myself driving past it the next night and it was dark and there was no one in. The street was abandoned. And I found myself as a grown man flipping off a building <laughs> and everything it represented. And it, the Poor building had building. done nothing. Yeah, I know. The thing is, right, these interactions, they're not nice, but they happen. Yeah. Why do we fixate on them like that? I think it's that thing. For me, it was... Um, you're immediately, like like you said, bewildered or befuddled yeah. because it doesn't make sense. Um, we have developed systems throughout the millennia that help us. Yeah. Um, so saying please and saying thank you and holding doors open mm -hmm. and just being nice yeah. and not walking into a room and hitting someone in the face, not doing exactly what we want, agreeing that there is a way we should all behave. Mm -hmm. And when we throw that out of the window we soon realise why those systems are in place. Because if every person selling hot dogs treated um, hot dog wanters, <laughs> I don't know what the technical term is, um, that way, yeah. there would be no hot dog uh, industry and that no one would be going to the shops. The, you know, th this system works. And when people buck the trend, they break a social contract yeah. that we have all signed up to mm -hmm. um, and that works. Um, and so it was that, I think. It's, it's because it's a blip in your day. Yeah, and also, it's it's showing a lack of respect for someone, and you don't know who that person is, no. but you're rude to them, and you don't know what's going on in their life. Yeah, and um, it's it's they are then um, you've disparaged them. You might feel a little bit better, but they are going to take that out on someone else mm -hmm. because it spreads. So I I read the book and I found myself going, yeah, yeah. I agree, good, absolutely. <laughs> I never do that. Right. I'm never rude to people. Yeah. And then I realised there's a whole group of people that would disagree with me on that. And that really? Is for journalists, ah. generally, um, public relations people. Right. Who probably, personally, I get about 30 phone calls a day from people saying, did you get my email? Yeah. And they are met with a wide range of responses. Mm -hmm. Some saying... I'm afraid I haven't seen it, but I will get back to you. That's lovely. Some saying, fuck off and die, I hate you. That's quite a leap. Yes. That's a heck of a leap. Um, there's a range in between. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I guess for most people, similar situation would be nuisance callers. Yes. Why do we feel it's okay to be rude to them? Well, I think it's to do with a lot of rudeness happens um, when someone's flow is interrupted. Yes. So you, for example... Um, when you have replied in a nice way to these people who are bothering you, mm -hmm. it might be because that's kind of what you're focusing on at the time or it's, yeah. it's at the forefront of your brain, that project or that thing. Um, but when someone interrupts your flow, mm -hmm. that's when we can feel that it's, it's kind of all right to be rude. That's why people, that's why road rage um, can exist. Um, people will be driving along quite happily in control of their own situation, listening to whatever they want to listen to or um, thinking the thoughts they want or perhaps are engaged with a piece of music that they really enjoy. Someone cuts in front of you and that's like a slap in the face. That's like stepping into your world and making you respond. So they're giving you work. So when these, yeah. these people are bothering you, they're giving you work. And depending on your mindset, that, that, can, that can sort of dictate how you're going to react to them. I, I say in the book as well, I, 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 I try and be as polite as I possibly can in my everyday interactions. Mm -hmm. And every once in a while, I mean, you know, you, you lose it slightly. Um, yeah. My most um, notable one was um, with uh, a, a telecoms provider who uh, was supposed to provide me with telecoms um, and then didn't and then yeah. said they couldn't. And I was telecom providerless. <laughs> 
Um, and that's that's weird. And that is because your my flow was very much interrupted then because I couldn't yeah. do all the things I needed to do. I couldn't. I, I had a deadline. I was three days away from moving to a different country. I had things to sort out and people to phone and, and internet to use, mm -hmm. and I couldn't. And and I took it out on the person who was um, very sort of passively aggressively. Um, you know, that's the thing as well. People can really get, if you do lose it, if you are rude to someone, yeah. there are ways of dealing with it. And I did, I let a, a swear word fly. Ooh, and, um, and they take offence. Yeah, Terrible it's offense. like, it was a man just kind of going, I'm afraid this is no place for profanity. And uh, <laughs> if I do hear any more profane words, I will terminate the call. And I was like, well, fair enough. I shouldn't have said it. But also, it's not 1833. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's okay. He's not going to lose any sleep over that. Um, yeah. But, the, you know, we. what I mean by this is we all have the capacity to be rude. It's about controlling it and understanding that it's better not to be. So let's move on to what you refer to as the Wallace Report. Very important report. So you commissioned an opinion poll. Yeah, this was one of the moments where I realised perhaps I was taking this too far. <laughs> because this, this book, in, in, in essence, I suppose, is the longest I've ever gone to win an argument. Okay. I could have very easily written a 300-word TripAdvisor review. Yeah. Um, and I did. Which you did, yeah. Um, but then that turned into 85,000 words, um, uh, now available in, in bookshops, so this poor <laughs> woman. Um, but uh, the Wallace Report was one of those moments where I thought, in order to, to think about where we should be, perhaps I need to understand more about where we are. Yeah. And so I, I created a very specific um, poll, um, most of which was just general stuff about rudeness. Mm -hmm. um, but the last few questions went into like I say, very specific questions about how long you'd be prepared to wait for an emulsified sausage. <laughs> so anyone doing the poll must have been like, this is getting really weird. <laughs> is this about hot dogs? <laughs> um, uh, but it was very useful for me, and it, and it uncovered some interesting things. Like, if someone were to do something, like, insane, like yeah. shoot your cat, yeah, you don't want to go around uh, and shoot their cat. You want justice. Yeah. So you want to report them. and, and... You want to shoot them in the face. <laughs> but if it's like if it's someone rude to you um, then you know you don't want justice you want revenge yeah um, you want to pull them down to where they've made you feel you know you want to bring them down a, a rung or two and revenge figures really highly in this in this Wallace report um, and I didn't realise the lengths people go to to get revenge on someone who has just been rude to them and it can be quite playful things or not playful but just a bit weird like uh, people if if they're in a serving job, they will go out of their way to sabotage the experience of the customer. So it might be they'll put your eggs at the bottom of the basket or they won't quite fill your pint. Yeah. Um, or in the case of the Wallace Report, they will lick a sausage that they then serve to you, which is insane. Like any of the things that the, the, the examples people gave me, if you didn't know it was because someone had been rude to them, yeah. you, would, you would think they were clinically insane. It's not normal behaviour. Like, what one person, what do they do? They turned someone else, all, all someone else's possessions upside down or hid all their work equipment they needed for that afternoon's shift. That's brilliant. Or grasped on them at work or, or set them up to fail. And it goes all the way to sleeping with someone's partner just because of a perceived slight, a bit of rudeness, a bit of disrespect and a perceived lack of status. I've, I mean, can we call this the Amelie effect? Yeah, you could, yeah. Um, just people doing tiny things yeah. to ruin people's day. Reverse Amelie, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a couple of other findings on that. So um, one of them was people tend to be rudest at 3pm. Between 3 and 4pm is uh, is a very slight spike yeah. in uh, in general rudeness. It's uh, There's a general hum of rudeness 
um, that goes on throughout the day. But between three and four, there's a slight spike, which could be blood sugar. It yeah. could be um, being tired in the office. It could be the school um, run. Yeah. It could be slightly increased traffic because of the school run. Um, but there is a slight increase there, yeah. 33% blamed footballers for the world becoming a ruder place. <laughs> yeah, which is in- interesting. In other countries, they have uh, role models um, who are, say, politicians. Yeah. Um, or, you know, uh, I, I suppose sporting heroes, but like Olympic-style sporting heroes. Mm-hmm. And um, over here, our role models, for some reason, uh, tend to be footballers. David Beckham has a lot to answer for. He does. Well, Also, they say politicians as well. Now, something I didn't really put in, in, in there, but um, uh, two or three people singled out the broadcaster Andrew Neil. <laughs> Which is not a, polite guy, <laughs> to be fair. And in a, in a thing of two thousand people, if you then you know multiply those three people <laughs> by whatever that represents, you know that's that's hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, you know, we've just had an election. Yeah. We've had some interesting results. Do you think part of what's happened is people just taking offence at Jeremy Paxman being so mean to people and Andrew Neil? Well, I think on the other side of it is people who feel emboldened by people like that. Yeah. And it's fine when it's kind of Jeremy Paxman or Andrew Neil because they have some knowledge to back them up. They've got facts they can put, they've got a point they want to make and they yeah. want to hold people to account. Where it goes wrong is when you have people like Simon Cowell yeah. or Katie Hopkins or Julia Hartley Brewer or any of these people who earn their money by working out how to put someone down or make people feel bad or yeah. cause a reaction so that they can earn some money. And we see it all the time. We've seen it more and more recently. What's the worst opinion I can have? And what is the worst way I can say it? That then trickles down to everyone else. Yeah. So you get this culture of people who say, I'm only being honest. And for some reason, we've come to respect this honesty. I mean, why? Exactly. It's not honesty, it's an opinion. Yeah. And you're, you know, hashtag just saying. Well, you know, you don't have to. (laughs) <laughs> what, why are you but it's this culture of I will be heard yeah. my opinion counts you have to listen to me and there are no comebacks because I'm only being honest I tell it like it is what you get with me is what you see all these like I mean, statements it, quite angry statements and uh, offensive is it, is it to do with the fact that they're saying what a lot of people are thinking see sometimes I don't think they are sometimes I think they are trying to set what people think because right. It's hard to disagree with them because people are afraid to because they've only been on you know they're only yeah. being honest and it's quite an aggressive standpoint. There are ways to say the thing you want to say. If you want to have that opinion, if that is your opinion, there are a million ways of saying it. Yeah. You don't have to make someone else feel bad or make them put them down. The same thing at the, at the same time as this rise of only being honest, there's a there's a a groundswell against, you know, political correctness, which is seen as weak and liberal unmanly uh, for a man and in fact is a brilliant system and it was only ever set up so that people in minority uh, in a minority situation wouldn't have to have loads of people bullying them putting them down or saying things if they're already in a vulnerable position why would you and that goes hand in hand with people who hate do-gooders because they would rather no one did any good I guess I don't (laughs) I've never understood it what would you rather have would you rather have do-nothings or do-badders yeah but it does it trickles down it comes out of you know social media and a lot of the time people thought that social media has become the way it has because of anonymity but the latest research shows that it's actually just a lack of eye contact yeah so even in the same office you could have two people having a fight um over an email just because they can't see each other when they write it 
So it's basically you need to look someone in the eye when you tell them like they stink. Or... Yeah, because you naturally we there's a thing called the looking glass self, which is where we, we constantly look for how we are being perceived in the eyes of others. Okay. So when you have a chat with someone, you're picking up on clues about am I offending them? Have I said something wrong? Do they like me? Yeah. Um, and we're always looking for that, and you don't get that on the internet. Um, you so you write whatever you want and when you have been infected by rudeness when someone's been rude to you or you've even just witnessed rudeness mm -hmm. you're more likely to be um, uh, more sensitive to it so even if you get an email from someone in your same office and even if it's a neutral tone if you've recently witnessed rudeness you're much more likely to think that person is being a dick yeah. so you'll think the little kiss on the end is sarcastic <laughs> um, and you'll want to slap them Do you think we've become ruder face to face as a result of it kind of being normalised on social media. Yeah, I think we all have to have an opinion. Yeah. We all, um, there's no real nuance anymore. Mm -hmm. People will run to an opinion rather than amble along and mm -hmm. see what happens and see what they learn or what evidence there is or any of that. They've just got to get straight in there and fast to make an impact. Yeah. And, and I think that that has contributed to that sense of hashtag just saying. You know, yeah. that's why we call a hashtag, you know, uh, hashtag uh, just saying uh, or, or only being honest. Um, yeah. All of these things have come together in one perfect storm to create a sense of this new rudeness. Yeah. And that has played into Trump and his, you know, his rise through Twitter. And that will that will, um, like I say, uh, lead to our impending deaths. I feel like Twitter has become an increasingly toxic place. I just want to read out a tweet that was sent to you because uh, okay. I thought it was good. Oh, yeah. I thought oh, it displayed more... a lot of creativity. Right, yeah. You are the worst writer in history, and if I ever meet you, I will punch your, the worst word in the English language, yeah. face off. Hashtag Danny Wallace deserves AIDS. Yes, I got that one. Which, I mean... Well, it was certainly impactful. Hurtful. Yeah, I, I was impressed he got so, so many different thoughts into 140 characters, though, because there's a lot there. <laughs> yeah, it's um, complex. There's, and, and there's quite, you know, and it goes, yeah, I'm the worst writer in history, and that's, that's a bold claim. Um... <laughs> Especially because I then, um, uh, a long time later, looked at his blog and he, he's written some uh, unusual poems. That's all I'll say. And I've done well to beat those. <laughs> this tweet did not have any punctuation in it. Not one. No, just one, one long thing. Yeah. Um, well, the interesting thing about that was that I wrote, I wrote back to him because it was everything was going right with that day. It was a beautiful day. The sun was streaming in. And I checked yeah. Twitter idly, and then boom, straight in your face, someone hates you, like with such vitriol. Really hates you. Out of the blue. And you sort of want to, my instinct is always to make friends with people. but so, And I just wrote back and just went, wow, you seem uh, aggressive. <laughs> so uh, kind of a, uh, like not attacking, nothing like that, just yeah. kind of a little placeholder yeah. that he can then use however he wants. He can attack again or he can go, yeah, sorry, that was a bit aggressive yeah. and make a joke. I'm letting him off basically, <laughs> but he didn't come back. But my wife looked at the name and realised that she knew the name of the person and she had been in PR and it turned out he was a writer. Oh, and so that was sort of burnt into my head, as was his uh, little face on his little avatar. A few months later, I was in a pub and I'd just finished working with some people I'd not worked with before. We'd just done a project, having a pint. Yeah. And I turned around and I saw him. He was there and he saw me. Now, that was a very exciting moment because I was like, I can do whatever I want with this situation. Yeah. Because he doesn't know I know. Um, but I know he knows I know. He doesn't know, I know, he knows, I know. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but all I mean is, I was in control. Yeah. So what do I do with this situation? And I thought, do I stride up? Do I go up to him? Do I sort of say hello? Do I have it out with him? Yeah. 
And then I thought, I'm with these people. How am I going to explain this? I'm going to look like a lunatic. Just on the first time they've ever met me, I start, I start a fight with the man in the pub. <laughs> so I thought, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to be the bigger man. Okay. And then I turned around and he was standing at the bar right next to me. And that annoyed me because I was like, he will write this stuff to me. But he's happy in real life just to stand next to me. And for some reason, that, that kind of infuriated me. Okay. It was that real cowardly thing. So I'll call him Steve. I turned around and I went, Steve, in a really sort of friendly way. And he went, hi, <laughs> in a sort of confused way. And I could see behind his eyes, he's thinking, how does he know? How does he know? How does he know who I am? How does he know? And he came up with a reason. His brain reached for something and he went, you're a mate of Pete's. And I don't know who Pete is, um, but I went, I am, I am. And he went, how did you know I'm, I'm, I'm Steve? And I said, because you said you were going to punch my worst word in the English language face off uh, and that I deserve AIDS. And something behind his eyes exploded. His knees seemed to buckle slightly. He got smaller in a second. That is brilliant. And I turned full to him and I made myself slightly bigger. And I just did two things. I just kept using his name yeah. and I kept repeating his phrases. The idea being, I'm, we're real people in a real place and you've got a real name and I know what it is and I'm talking to you, a real person, by saying his name. And repeating his phrase in that I want you to own these phrases because these aren't just things that exist on the internet. Yeah, They're part of your real life that you thought about and wrote and sent to another man. Yeah. So I just kept repeating those things and I just kept going, when are you going to do it, Steve? When are you going to punch my uh, worst word in the English language face off? Are you going to punch it off in here? Are you going to punch it off outside? Yeah. And he just got smaller and smaller and he had paid for his pints so he couldn't leave until they arrived because it's Britain. And um, and I, I I I slightly tortured him with this, uh, with just using his words. And then he kind of tried to explain himself and that he'd been having a bad day. And I said, "Well, I was having a good day until I got your tweet." And you know, do you think anyone deserves AIDS? And putting putting that horrible question on him. And then I sort of decided to cut him loose and and throw him back into the ocean. And and I just he just said, "Well, if I could explain," I went, "Take your pints and fuck off." And and he did. And uh, he went and sat back down with someone who must have been wondering, because him and his mate recognised me, he must have been thinking, why is Danny Wallace having such a strange conversation with my friend? <laughs> I mean, that story fills me with a tremendous amount of satisfaction. Good. Like, huge amount. Good. I mean... Because they, they need to be called to account. And yeah. these things, although they're happening online, it exists in the real world and, and it has real reactions. Imagine being... I, well, I can't. If I was a weaker person or if I was a teenager or a child yeah. getting that kind of stuff from, from someone anonymous while I'm at school, can you imagine? Like yeah. our worlds are, are, are nice because they're quite big. But if you're at school, that's your world more or less. That's everything that matters. That's Absolutely. your social group. And if someone is out to get you or hates you or is spreading stuff about you, I can't imagine the psychological strain that that would put a kid under. Hey, so I'm just going to rudely interrupt myself here. And as we're going on a hiatus, now is the time to get in touch. Please go and write a comment on our Apple podcast feed with your favourite episode or indeed give us some suggestions for season two. In the meantime, if you're looking for something else to listen to with similar production vibes, our brilliant producer Jamie Wareham has just released the trailer for his mini documentary series on the history of the internet. If you're enjoying today's show about internet rage, you'll love his investigation into how hashtags begun, 
what makes content go viral, and also his interviews with memes like Bad Luck Brian. The History of the Internet is everywhere podcasts live. Please go and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. I've had a sneaky lesson of episode one with an interview with Chris Messina, who named the hashtag and now works in Uber's marketing department. It's all the internet bants. For now, back to Danny Wallace. So, I mean, let's talk about Donald Trump. Yeah. I mean, is he popular because he's rude? We look to people... Like, if someone can afford to be rude and they do it in a confident way, yeah. we tend to think there must be a reason why they're allowed to because they're okay. breaking those rules. And it's that only being honest thing again. And it's that railing against political correctness yeah. thing again. We, for some reason, find it, in quotes, refreshing. Yeah. So he came on the scene and he was a refreshing character. Mm. In the same way that when Simon Cowell arrived, he was refreshing because he told it like it is. Um, less refreshing now because every every show needs one. you know. Yeah. But... There, there seem to be these flips in society where suddenly we go, we, we, we tend to go the other way. But the reason Donald Trump is very dangerous for me isn't so much that he has access to the red button, mm-hmm. but is instead because he can set, he sets a cultural tone. Yeah. He's the most powerful man in the world. And even in the last year, we've seen it happen where he's emboldened people to be worse because the man at the top is saying it's all right. He's saying, you can say this stuff about Muslims or Mexicans yeah. or women. You can say this stuff. And so stupid people start to do that. And then they teach their kids to do it as well. And suddenly everyone feels they're, they're all right to do it, whether in an office, on the street. You know, you see people at, at his rallies who would be wearing the most offensive T-shirts and they'd be standing with their wife and kids. Yeah. And you wonder how it happens. Well, it happens because of him. And... Why I say this is more dangerous than the nuclear button is because once you've set that tone, it's very hard to come back from. And the world listens when a president speaks. And as we've seen, his stuff can be mistranslated as it's translated all around the world. And people want to know what's on his mind and and what he's thinking. Yeah. And that way, the apocalypse lies. (laughs) And I mean it. I think that it could be extraordinarily dangerous. You know, he he makes a couple of... uh, of other unstable dictators, uneasy, yeah. and who knows what's going to happen. I love the idea that the apocalypse will be millions of people going down shouting, I hate you, you're stupid. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it could... It, what we've seen happening in the last uh, in the last year has just been extraordinary. We seem yeah. to be in this time where, like, anything can happen. I mean, you mentioned women there, and you've got a chapter on women, actually. Yeah. And women interrupting... Women being interrupted by yeah. men is, I mean... I, something that if you're a woman and you haven't noticed that then you're leading a great life yeah what why is that um i don't know women are held to a different standard when it comes to rudeness um women kind of it seems from the from for the research i've done are brought up in a very different way from from boys it's all about being ladylike yeah so uh, girls are told oh don't use language like that mm-hmm. and don't do this and, and women in the workplace are told not to be so aggressive Whereas men are told to, you know, it's respected if they're aggressive, they're a go-getter. That's how Trump has ended up where he is, you know, or part of the reason that he's, you know, celebrated in that way. And women are fearful of being labelled a bitch in the office. Yeah, it's very bad for them. Abrasive is yeah, abrasive is is a word that that like a euphemism. 
It's a euphemism, yeah. And in fact, you know, a, a, a abrasive and rudus, I think, is like, I mean, this is, as, I never use Latin. I don't know Latin. <laughs> but I found out that rudus um, uh, led to the word rude and it means um, abrasive, basically. And so women don't want to be seen that way in the office. Men don't mind. It kind of helps them. They are more likely, a rude man is more likely to go into a boss's office and demand a raise, which is why rude men earn about 18% more than a nice woman, just by being a dick. And and women who are dicks? They earn 13% more than okay. nice women, So, but they're still 5% behind rude men. There were uh, disturbing things as well, like there was one study done about juries um, on, a, on a big important trial, and it showed that if a man in a jury situation stood up and started putting his case forward using all sorts of swear words and being rude and forthright, he's more likely to sway the jury than mm -hmm. a woman. Because if a woman does it, everyone goes, she's a bit emotional. I can't really trust her. She's, she's lost it. She's gone unstable. <laughs> so it, it works in totally different ways, and it's ridiculous. Yeah. So power with Trump is, is one of the things that, you know, that, that, that we looked at him being rude and realised, oh, well, he, he must be able to because he's got power. And wealthy people as well, wealthy people. There's a lot of stuff about wealthy people and about how they feel that they can take liberties and they will lie and they will cheat and they will steal from children. There were actual experiments done where they had a bunch of uh, wealthier people or people who feel that they are wealthier. They would cheat at little games. They thought they were trying to win the game, but they didn't realise their behaviour was being studied, not the game. Oh, no. And they would cheat just to win silly little prizes that they did not need. And while waiting in reception they would take sweets that were clearly labelled for the kids in like the hospital next door. But they felt it was fine for them to take it. Because they were rich. Because they, well, that's the difference between them and the other people was that they, they felt wealthier. So that is the main difference. Okay, so we are a business podcast. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about some business situations yeah. that maybe, you know, you've learnt lessons about. Sure. So when you're in a meeting and someone just sits there on their mobile phone, yeah. what should you do? Well, I, if it were me... Mm. I would try and I always try and sort of deflate the situation a little okay. bit. Maybe make a joke about it, yeah. about, you know, he's obsessed with uh, this app or that app. Or yeah. You draw attention to it and you make fun of it, but in a nice way, so that they feel, oh, everyone is sort of laughing at me a bit. I will put it away. Step after that um, would be to say something slightly more cutting, but still uh, not rude. <laughs> Such as? I don't know. You, you just kind of, you, uh, I don't know. You might even just go, is everything all right? Is it... You know, is it like an emergency? Like an emergency. Yeah, something like that. Or just to make them feel honest. And yeah. then you just tell them not to, depending on your level of... Uh... fucking phone. Yeah. You twat. Yes. Um, sorry. <laughs> Went a bit far. You're ruder than me. Yeah, I am rude. <laughs> I'm a swearer. There's... Well, you'll, pay, you'll get, you, you know, you'll, you'll earn more money that way, so don't yeah. worry about it. What about if you are one of the aforementioned public relations people or yeah. a cold caller? Yeah. Um, how do you get people to not hate you? Maybe by saying, please don't hate me. Okay. By putting it on yourself a little bit. Okay. The worst thing that happens is when... I mean, I, I, I once got an email and it was just... I, I guess I was, I'd been primed for rudeness in some way because the email was very neutral, it seems, but it yeah. just said, um, just wondering, uh, can you send me that work across today? Full stop. Many thanks. Full stop. I was like, how dare this person? How, who is this demanding work from me? Now, I did owe them the work, and the work, the work was done, and then it was very easy for me to send it, but it was more the use of punctuation. It was like the, uh, it was straight in, no nonsense, to the point, yeah. full stop, and then many thanks, full stop. Not many thanks, comma, 
their name. Yeah. Not many thanks, exclamation mark, and a kind of, hey, this is all, we're all in one big boat. Yeah. Just many thanks, as if it was a given. <laughs> and that, I, I think, is a case of me having been made aware of rudeness or having it in my head and assigning a motive to that person. So um, the way to get around that is to kind of say, hey, I'm so sorry to bother you. I know, I know things are really busy today. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any chance um, of getting that thing? And then you're like, yeah. Yeah. Because you wouldn't not be. Yeah. But, you know, it's very hard to be rude to that kind of that kind of email. What about if you are in a meeting at a restaurant and the person opposite you is rude to the waiter? <sighs> be super nice to the waiter. Okay. That's what I do. Just, like, make up for it. Yeah, because you want to be super nice to them so that they know. Because you're also doing that person a favour. Yeah. You're helping them in that encounter and in life, the person you're having the meeting with. <laughs> yes. And then you show them how to behave. Um, you can't call them out because, you know, they uh, you're having a business meeting with them and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But you can show them how to behave. We all have a duty, though. Like, if you saw someone else being rude to that waiter mm-hmm. or, or anyone in, in a similar situation, I think we have a duty to call them out on their behaviour. And it's something... I've done and will continue to do. So just stood up and gone, I don't like how you spoke to this person. Yeah, you just go, you know, dude, just don't be like that. You know, it's it's hard for for them. It's amazing how someone else just, I mean, I I suppose you've got to be careful because in any situation things things can go wrong. But I saw someone getting out of a car not long ago and the car behind them, and the guy, it was a really nice situation. He was just waving by to someone he was with and it was yeah. all lovely and he was getting out reasonably quick but the person behind you know it's that situation where they think oh I'm, I'm incredibly important and my time is much more important than yours yeah started honking really hard and all this and the first guy who i thought would be all right about it completely lost it and went from zero to a hundred wow. in terms of his rage and i could yeah. see that they were going to start doing the same and i was just standing on the street corner and i just went mate 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 i just went i wouldn't bother and <laughs> Within a second, his shoulders came down and he was so grateful. He was just going, thanks, mate. He was like, God, I was, yeah, I was losing it. And it's not worth it, is it? I was going, it isn't. And yeah. I, but and then we were like on the same side and I went, and they were being dicks. So just let them be dicks. Yeah. You know. I mean, that kind of rage, we all get it, don't we? That, yeah. That, that real, uh, Yeah. How do you stop that? I think it just happens. With, I mean, But the more we, we realise that it's, it's happening, the, the easier it can be. But again, that was about respect. That guy felt yeah. disrespected and he felt that the world was okay. He felt that his world was being challenged and he felt that his flow was being interrupted. Yeah, absolutely. The people behind felt the same. They felt that their flow was being interrupted by this guy. So the book opens on a story about a jihadist who's not very happy at the uh, manners he's encountered. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think we've all got our own um, our levels of politeness and uh, rudeness um, and what we expect from other people. I probably take it too far because I apologise to bins and lampposts. I mean, we've all done it. We've all done it. I've done it too many times. (laughs) Often I've been walking through a park and I've seen uh, a dog or a squirrel and we've locked eyes for a second and I feel rude if I don't acknowledge it in some way. Just a little nod. A nod. Just a nod. Wildlife. And this fella, Omar Hussein, um, he fled Britain as a 27-year-old, um, gave up his job at Morrison's in Buckinghamshire and fled for the desert to um, uh, meet his pals. And he was so excited. This was everything he wanted, you know, um, to get over there. I guess the weather's pretty good. Um, plot to bring down 
Western civilization. But it was marred. This whole um, glorious um, opportunity, his, his dream, was marred when he realized how rude ISIS are. And they are, from reading his uh, accounts, they're so rude. They don't cue properly. They stand too close to you and just stare at you, which is weird. Sometimes they'd just look at him when he was sleeping. They'd nick his shoes. Oh so you God. go off for a, a, a prayer, you take your shoes off, and you look up. Some other guy's got your shoes, and he's just walking off with them, which is unacceptable. And the one I found most um, disappointing in ISIS was that um, they'd sometimes take his phone off charge and just take it. He's charging his phone. That he's in the despicable. desert. And just take his charger and charge their own phones. And all of that, it really upset him because uh, he had not been expecting that. No. And um, they would grab at food. He, he would make food for them and they'd all grab at it. And he's, he would have to stand there. And he says, like in a primary school, and just say, none of you are getting any food until you all calm down. <laughs> and so that was something that really made me realise how whatever we value as a society and whatever differences we have with people, whatever, you know... Even people like that get annoyed about minor slights. You'd think that he would have bigger things on his mind. He's just moved to the desert. <laughs> Embalming um, mainly. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that was something that, that made me realise, I'm not saying we have anything else in common with ISIS, <laughs> uh, but I am saying that um, as humans, we, we have this need to be respected. It's like my dad always used to say, manners maketh man. Well, he's absolutely right. I think we should wrap up. All right. So, Danny Wallace, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank it's been really lovely. In. Yeah, thank you for having me. And um, do uh, watch your email technique. Yeah, I'll I'm going to be so I'll... much more careful and also so much nicer to PR people. Excellent work. Right, for the last time in a while, it's credits time. With thanks to everyone who's followed and supported the show in season one, including the last time podcast producer Jamie Wareham and Audio Boom for whom this has been one of their in-house productions this has been City AM's Unregulated Podcast please stay subscribed in all the places podcasts live we'll be back and from me at Emma Hazlitt with two T's tweet me with the episode that you loved suggestions for season two or just some gifts to show us how exactly you feel about us going on a break miss you already Bye!